0: Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast on technology in paediatric diabetes. My name is Diyar Imadi, and I will be your host today. Today I'm excited to have Adam Lemendola to discuss a specialised area of diabetes management, paediatric diabetes, and cover a few topics within the paediatric diabetes space. This is episode one of a three-episode series about paediatric diabetes. Adam Lemondola is a credentialed diabetes educator with over 18 years experience working at Monash Children's Hospital in Melbourne. During this time, Adam has developed a special interest in type 1 diabetes technology and paediatric education management. Hello, Adam, and thank you so much for joining us today. How are you feeling?
1: I'm good, dear. Thanks for having me today, and thank you, everyone, for, for listening and tuning in today as well.
0: Yeah, thank you for your time. Today, we'll be discussing technology in paediatric diabetes. Can you tell us how helpful technology can be when it comes to the paediatric diabetes space?
1: Yes, the the role of technology um, I suppose in, in diabetes in general has changed drastically um, particularly in the last five to ten years but I think um, reflecting back when I probably first started in diabetes education you know nearly 18 years ago um, you know the, the role of it the role of technology has drastically changed in, in that time you know I reflect back and and think that when uh when we first used to put children on continuous glucose monitoring to in, to investigate blood glucose levels we would use cgm gold device which was quite large and uh, attached to the child for, for 72 hours and we would make uh, quite drastic changes to their to their diabetes management based on 72 hours worth of glucose data whereas obviously these days we have technology and we have continuous glucose monitoring and insulin pump therapy, which um, is playing such a huge role now, um, and, and most children being being attached to, or not so much attached, but, but wearing uh, continuous glucose monitoring now. So um, I think what it's probably done now, it's given us a lot more information around Uh, the role of glucose monitoring, particularly with continuous glucose monitoring. Um, We've been able to obviously see peaks and troughs in in glucose levels and and being able to understand what glucose levels are now doing to be able to titrate uh, a child's insulin more effectively. And I think that's the huge advancements that it's obviously made. Um, And particularly with obviously families as well, dealing with uh, having a child with type one diabetes and being able to understand their child's uh, blood glucose levels, as well, you know, with the use of alarms and, you know, and, and I suppose supporting that uh, that understanding, particularly as well, you know, I think interpreting data has been really important. Now um, that 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 role in diabetes management has really uh, improved, so I, I think you know, having access to to our, you know, our clients' uh, information and data at our fingertips to be able to make changes and support each child um, and their family. I think has been imperative um, around that, and you know, and it's obviously going to continue to, you know, to, to grow and advance as as we sort of go. And the role of insulin pump therapy also in pediatric diabetes um, is also becoming more and more um, valuable, particularly with you know hybrid closed loop insulin pump therapy and, and the role that that's obviously going to play in the, in the future. So I think overall technology is you know, becoming such a huge part of our role, um, particularly in paediatric diabetes.
0: Yes, I agree. Now can you talk us through the period um, between diagnosis and starting technology um, and what kind of involvement does the CD have during this time being part of a uh, multidisciplinary team?
1: Yes, the the role initially um, it probably does vary a little bit, I think, and that that probably comes depending on the the child, sometimes the age of the child, uh, the medical state initially at diagnosis, and and also the emotional state of the family and and child as well. I think, you know, at diagnosis we educate all children and their families on obviously blood glucose monitoring. Um, because obviously this is still playing a role in in all you know in all people with type one diabetes at this point in time, um, we would then initially look to start continuous glucose monitoring. Obviously, you know initially at diagnosis, if um, if the family are happy to commence, um, it's probably something we don't f- sort of force onto the onto the child or family. I think it's something that we discuss in conjunction with like glucose monitoring. Given blood glucose monitoring is still the, the forefront of testing in terms of obviously confirming a glucose level if the child is hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic, I think obviously where we we're teaching that as the first step um, and then moving towards continuous glucose monitoring once the uh, obviously once they're ready to to do so. As I sort of said, this will this can come at various times, but but generally we try and sort of focus that on you know, in the first probably 24 to 48 hours, we will look to transition to um, to commencing, particularly con- continuous glucose monitoring, be able to support the family more effectively, uh, particularly during the initial sort of stay at, at hospital. Um, transitioning to insulin pump therapy is, is probably not something we uh, individually at, at the hospital I work at tend to do straight away. It's probably something we might look to do in the first the first three to six months of diagnosis and again this really does depend on the particular child and the the diabetes that particular point in time depending on when we would look to start it but um, that can obviously vary a little bit as well particularly in the public setting
0: um, that can vary a little bit. Now moving on to uh, I suppose the role of the CDE when starting technology. Um, how does the CDE go about educating and preparing a paediatric client, including family members and parents, about the use of technology? There's there's a fair bit to take in, it's quite a stressful time. What are some of the techniques that you find helpful when it comes to that time?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, that initially, um, probably like I, I, I sort of touched on the role of technology obviously is really valuable in, in educating and preparing a, a paediatric client. However, I think ensuring they have an appropriate understanding of the role of um, technology obviously is really important also. So, you know, I think that when we initially put somebody on continuous glucose monitoring, obviously there's initial overall education of, of the device, which we obviously discuss and, and also the type of device that, that they're obviously wanting to use. So, you know, is it a Libre, is it a Medtronic sensor or is it a Dexcom sensor and um, each of the different roles that they play, um, the use of whether they're going to be using a phone to uh, receive that data or an actual receiver, so discussing the the, the variance in those different types. Then also the interpretation of data as well. I mean, I, I think that we put children on continuous glucose monitoring for instance um and there's a lot of data to interpret so so i think having an understanding of sometimes what that data means and also how to interpret that data because i think quite often we put children on continuous glucose monitoring and it can really overwhelm some of the parents and, and sometimes even some of the children in terms of the amount of data that they're they're already they're, they, they're all all of a sudden being able to sort of look at and Um, So it can become quite overwhelming at times. But also with the interpretation of that data, making sure they understand the role of things like exercise, the role of food, what what that obviously can do and the different types of food that that the child's eating and and the role of illness in terms of viral illnesses, infections and in terms of glucose levels rising or gastro illnesses and nausea, vomiting, where blood glucose levels might drop also the 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 we we sort of do focus a little bit on arrows and trends and what blood glucose levels doing uh, to do do and and the role of what they sort of play as well so not to sort of panic if there's an uh, narrow going down and what that might mean depending on what the glucose level is because obviously we do find uh, a lot of families and or children might um, overcompensate with the role of, role of whatever the glucose level is and whether there's an arrow there so it's making sure they understand what those two mean and when to then jump in and act on what that glucose level is depending on the trend of what is actually going on we also have to look at things like the role of or just the ease of use of technology you know some families or the children might not i mean kids obviously these days are the uptake of technology um, is quite easy for them but sometimes the parents might not be so much so so ensuring obviously that they have an understanding of how to use the technology um how they implement it onto their phone and download everything that's obviously appropriate as well with children obviously we need to understand the role that Thing that the areas such as childcare, kindergartens, and schools will also play in this. You know, ensuring that they that when we think about the device we're putting the found the child on, that we take into consideration the the external um, the external resources that are going to be playing a role in this as well, such as the um, such as schooling and how comfortable and how appropriate it is for the school to be supporting these devices as well. Obviously, age and communication can also play a role um, in this in terms of, you know, the age of the child and in terms of, you know, their communication skills and um, can they interpret if their blood is are low or high, so, the, you know, the use of alarms and, um Also, sites of where we're putting a lot of, particularly with continuous glucose monitoring. So, where are we going to put the, the the CGM on the body? You know, what's the best site to be putting it on, particularly if you've got an infant or a toddler who might be in nappies? You know, obviously the buttocks area might not be an appropriate site, given given the, you know, the use of nappies. So the things like that we've obviously got to think about, which is obviously a little bit different to adult diabetes as well. Um, families still have concerns around accuracy all the time. And, you know, they'll obviously compare uh, blood glucose level and a continuous glucose monitoring level and be concerned that there is a variance there. So it's so obviously part of the education process. We really do focus in on making sure they understand the difference between a blood glucose level and a continuous or a, c- a sense of glucose level and the role of interstitial fluid and that slight sort of lag time that, that, that there obviously can be and the variance there as well. So, and then obviously skin issues can also play a, a, a role. So, you know, that's something we, we sort of do focus and, and watch, particularly with with children with continuous glucose monitoring. So, you know, and, and that, I suppose that answer there probably focuses on The the role of CGM, Um, insulin pump therapy, again, is is another myriad of, you know, when we're educating, preparing somebody for insulin pump therapy, you know, a lot of it we probably do focus around research and looking at the, the different types of insulin pumps that are available on the market, the role that continuous glucose monitoring and that insulin pump to play. So the role of, say, hybrid closed loop therapy and what that looks like and the algorithm. But also the expectations of pump therapy, we, we really do need, need to highlight as well. So what we expect out of pump therapy and what the family expect out of pump therapy and their appropriate expectations also when they're looking at insulin pump therapy not it's just not something that they are just going to throw on and think that it's going to fix the diabetes. That there obviously still is a, a huge role that the family and the child still has to play in terms of carbohydrate countering and bolusing for for um insulin prior to their to their food intake and and the yeah, the overall sort of management involved um, in that. So there there is a lot to sort of take in initially when preparing a child and their and their family, but we do find that preparation around the role of continuous glucose monitoring and insulin pump therapy is, um, is paramount, I feel, particularly if you're making sure that they're transitioning effectively into that area. We find that probably overall um, outcomes can obviously be a lot more effective if that preparation is um, is is met. Yeah, definitely.
0: Now you touched on this earlier uh, and uh, we know there's um, a number of different types of um, devices out there, both CGM and insulin pumps. So, I suppose without going into too uh, too much detail, are there many differences between the different types of devices that our CDE should know about, specifically in the pediatric diabetes space? Yes, I think the
1: yeah, I think the devices do vary a little bit in in, in some way, and obviously. You know, the the pediatric space is probably no different to the adult space. I think the the devices that we, you know, are all the same. We still sort of use similar sort of devices. you know the the role of continuous glucose monitoring i think is obviously quite similar these days we've probably got three different sensors that we would use in pediatric diabetes each sensor has a different life in terms of how long the sensor will last on the skin you know so we'll have a, a seven-day sensor and a 10-day sensor and a 14-day sensor in terms of the medtronic the, the dexcom and the Libre. You know, we'll then look at obviously where the child would want to wear, or where we feel is the most appropriate site to be wearing the um, the sensor. So that's obviously something we need to look at in terms of the the approved sites for each of these sensors to be worn. So obviously that's that's something we do take into consideration. That might be a little bit different in the paediatric. Uh, environment. And also then the devices that, that, that do transmit these, uh, the the sensors as well. So the, the role of mobile phones, are the role of a receiver and the availability of those devices. And obviously all these devices will work with a mobile phone. Obviously some children, being infants or young, young children, uh, the role of the mobile phone might not be as appropriate or the family might not want the child using a mobile phone in certain instances. Obviously, the benefits of using a mobile phone obviously is it means the family can follow that information as well um, which is obviously one of the most valuable parts of where in glucose monitoring in monitoring the pediatric environment having a, a um, the parents um, or carers to be able to follow that sort of information as well so but obviously there are certain instances where we might have to look at a receiver for, for certain situations so so that can sometimes guide us in a certain Area too, so, so there are variances there that we that we definitely need to sort of look at and um, ensure that it, the family understands the variances in these uh, in these sensors and the role of the sensor and also the role of you know the transmitter and the size of the transmitter and what that obviously looks like. If the, if we're then looking into some in pump therapy. Yeah, you know touching on that we, we probably look at four different main insulin pumps um currently at this point in time being the medtronic 780 the the T slim um, with you know control Iq the yipso med uh, insulin pump um, and the and the omnipod insulin pump and obviously they're all uh they're all very different they all have you know they all work slightly differently in conjunction with continuous glucose monitoring um, and the role of you know the, the automated insulin pumps in terms of hybrid closed loop therapy and, and that's probably one thing we we really do focus on now in terms of making sure that families do understand the differences between these devices um you know looking at comparison charts between the two and understanding that you know each insulin pump will have obviously a specific sensor that will work with that insulin pump and then it's also looking at then you know what the insulin pump looks like what the family are wanting out of an insulin pump are they wanting hyper closed loop therapy are they wanting a cordless insulin pump so looking more at, a, at, a, at an omnipod um, device obviously are they wanting to stay on the on the specific sensor that they're currently on so are they wanting to, to continue on the uh on a sense that might only work in conjunction with a certain insulin pump so there are lots of sort of factors that that we that we look at when we're looking at transitioning somebody to an insulin pump and and what we get the families uh, thinking about when they're transitioning to insulin pump therapy because obviously we want to make sure that they're making the, the right decision for their for their child so we really try and support them in that decision making but we're also um, mindful that we want the family to have that choice as well. We don't want to sort of force them into a, into a specific device. Um, so ensuring that they do research each of these, um, each of these specific insulin pumps. So, you know, whether that's going to the particular website, whether it's meeting with the company representative of each of those insulin pumps, um, meeting with the diabetes teams, the diabetes team can, can show them, the client, the family, each of these insulin pumps and then looking at the pros and you know what the each of these insulin pumps do do and how they manage and the you know even down the nitty-gritty of the you know how much insulin we can use in each of these insulin pumps in terms of using the hybrid closed loop therapy because obviously in pediatric diabetes we have children that might be on very small amounts of insulin um so having the the pump meeting the the, the smaller insulin requirements and the incremental amounts that each of these pumps can can deliver. So there are, there are unique factors that we do need to look at um, when looking at insulin pump therapy, particularly in the pediatric environment.
0: Now when you're starting technology in um, a pediatric client, what what would a typical consult look like? How long does it take? Um, how, how do you like or how do you recommend to structure the process?
1: Yes, I think in, and, and this probably varies I think for all individuals and, and, you know, I can only speak for, for myself and, uh, and my team or myself when I work individually, you know, I, I probably spend, the initial process, I, I, I probably get the client and family looking at the, what device they initially want to go on, obviously, which we've sort of touched on, you know, what the specific devices they are. So that's the, what it would, the initial process would obviously look like. Once we then start start the family or and or child on a on particularly if I you know for example a continuous glucose monitor, um, I probably initially allow anywhere from thirty minutes to one hour for that appointment, and obviously we we you know and that's to include the education around the device, um, how to use it, how to interpret, uh, or how to look at the particular. You know if they're using a phone how to interpret the app or how to protect the, re- the receiver that they're obviously using you know how to how to insert the sensor and you know commence the sensor so all the sort of preparation and education around around that obviously this also includes interpretation of, of the data as well so making sure that they understand that you know a, a continuous glucose monitoring trend isn't just a flat line you know there are peaks and troughs in in a glucose level so because i think a lot of families um uh, get quite overwhelmed by the, the glucose levels sort of going up and down and not having that full understanding that the blood glucose levels are just not a flat line um but they do they do go up and down there are peaks and troughs in the in that management so so having that understanding of what that data looks like and in being able to, to have a basic interpretation of that data and, and like i touched on initially i think the role of then you know the role of exercise and food and illness and weather and stress and hormones and all these things that we obviously see in the pediatric world that can that can affect the, the blood sugar levels so making sure that the families have that understanding so we You know, that's obviously included in the initial education, you know, and like I touched on also, you know, accuracy and skin issues. So all of that education would generally sort of focus around the one hour mark to be, to sort of ensure that all that education is obviously being met. And then following up, you know, probably one to two weeks after that, depending on the device, um, to ensure that there's no uh, teething issues with initially starting device and making sure that they're tolerating the device. You're obviously able to look at the glucose data and interpret the glucose data with the family and child, you know, making and management changes based on what we're sort of seeing. You now the families might keep a food diary as well to be able to sort of look at what different types of food or exercise is done on the blood sugar levels to be able to interpret that data a little bit more effectively and obviously also implement changes based on based on what we have seen. So follow-up appointments and interpretation of that data obviously are really effective. Um, in that process. Um, When it comes to insulin pump therapy, um, again, this will really vary, I think, from each team and individual. But, you know, again, I I think I've touched on it initially. I think the initial process of getting the families or child to have an understanding of the different devices that are out there uh, in the diabetes world in terms of each different insulin pump that's available having a basic understanding of each of those insulin pumps, which we generally sort of do in a in a, in a pre-pump or pump assessment sort of session, which is probably an initial sort of starting point. Um, after a family shows some interest and does a little bit of research, we would then sort of focus in on this, this specific insulin pumps um, that they may be interested in or wanting to sort of um, move forward on. And that might include some basic button pressing and um, preparation around sort of insulin pump um, initially and that might be one or two sessions to be able to sort of complete all of that um, and then after that the, the initial insulin pump start would generally take anywhere from two to three hours depending on, um, depending on the insulin pump as plus or minus whether we're starting glucose monitoring at the same time as well so the the initial insulin pump appointment or structure would obviously generally entail putting the um putting the the child on um ensuring obviously you know everyone has a has a really good understanding of the the line insertion the basic button button pressing of the of the insulin pump and clearly how to give insulin how to bolus and the basic sort of management around that insulin pump obviously is a lot of information initially when we're starting somebody on the insulin pump so it's not something that try and rush and, and try and implement in a really short period of time. I think trying to space it out over several sessions is really important so that the uptake of education is a lot more effective in that time. So so having some structured appointments after that, I think is really important. Um, That's something that we sort of generally do do. We might have an appointment one or two weeks after the, the initial insulin pump start to make sure everything is obviously going okay. We also look at um, things like line changes and how everything's going from that perspective. Um, we'd also, um, touching on line changes, we would probably also have an appointment two or three days after the initial pump start just to support their initial line change at home uh, and or in, in the in the hospital environment to make sure that transitions obviously because they're, they're following line change after that will be in the home uh, environment and obviously the, the, the treating team won't be there. So, so I think having two Line changes that are in a supportive environment is, um, you know, we, we find it really valuable. Um, and obviously, also continuing some of the education around, uh, around the insulin pump, like I touched on. We're trying not to sort of explain the whole insulin pump in one session and spreading a lot of that insulin. Pump education out over over two or, you know over two or three subsequent sessions um, is you know, can be really important. I think particularly some of the more advanced features of insulin pump therapy, and such as the different types of bolusing and you know some of the some of the different rates and different things that you can obviously do that might not be so valuable in the, in the first week or two. Once we're saying to sort of you know fine tune insulin pump settings, so we can sort of focus in on the basic structure of the pump. And then look to the, the more advanced features after after that. So that's the general structure we would sort of look to, to do things, and you know, which we find is obviously a really effective way to be able to manage uh,
0: in the pediatric environment. Yeah, and as you said, it's uh, definitely um, uh, different for different individuals. So you know, you find your you find what works for you, so to speak. Course, now, sorry. how can how can how a CDE find out more about technology in the pediatric diabetes space and upskill themselves in this area?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think with with um being able to sort of find out more about technology in the diabetes world and, and upskill themselves i think that can be quite a quite a difficult thing to do i find these days particularly because of the advancements in a lot of technology and the overwhelming nature i think that technology can play particularly in the pediatric world but also in the adults sort of environment of diabetes education as well i think probably some of the things that that i initially tried to do as much as possible is is having you know as much exposure as I possibly could you know whether that's with you know obviously having been working in a in a big multidisciplinary disciplinary experience diabetes teams obviously really important for me to be able to have that sort of exposure and learn off my of my peers you know in, in completing sort of a lot of education um also yeah. the the role of the, the the company representatives in that training as well and trying to have you know several sessions with the with the company reps to be able to do some basic button pressing and have some basic understanding of of each of the inches and pumps is also really valuable i think when we're sort of first learning and remaining <laughs> upskilled skilled also in in each of these devices too you know as well as obviously online training and um you know as many education sessions as you can get to obviously there are you know online resources through Diabetes australia and and the ADA, also, which obviously can be can be really valuable. But 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 like I think I initially said, I think that you know the, the, the biggest thing is, is just the the repeated exposure. I sort of find, um, you know, and that repeated sort of learning to, to be able to sort of you know watch somebody else put somebody on an insulin pump, you know, do that do that watch that a few times in conjunction with some learning as well, and and then slowly sort of you know progress into into the area. I think we're trying to sort of you know, learn everything at once and rush into a certain area, and, and not having the, the intimate understanding of each of these um, insulin pumps and devices, I think, can be can be really difficult. But I think, particularly when you're, you know, you are the main source of education for for your clients, I think that that can be sort of mistaken a little bit because I think that if, if, if we don't have the the best understanding of these devices you know obviously our our clients are not also so you know we need to be able to sort of guide and support them in their decision making to ensure that we are making the right informed and educated decision which is obviously coming from us so that you know as much preparation there as we can do to be able to support um you know clients is obviously really valuable.
0: Yes and now finally um do you have any further advice or comments to give our listeners regarding this space i mean you given your vice experience and um, i'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in the space um, especially with technology um any any last words of wisdom from yourself adam
1: yeah i think um look it's, it, it is a really changing landscape and and one that, that i find is probably the, one of the more challenging areas in diabetes at the moment particularly in pediatric diabetes I think we we're expected to know each of these devices and we're expected to understand how each of the algorithms work and how each of the, the, the continuous glucose monitors works there, there's this huge expectation put on you know diabetes educators um, to, to have that understanding you know, of all of the relevant technology and appropriate technology to use in this sort of field. And um, I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges that, that we're going to probably, it's going to continually sort of be expected of us in the future as well, to be able to remain upskilled and updated in this and, and ensure that the the appropriate updated evidence-based resources and, um, you know, are given to, to our clients and families also, and I think that that's going to be one of the biggest challenges sort of going forward and, and remaining upskilled in these sort of areas. At the same time, I think it's really exciting and, um, you know, I, I love my job because if that's the area I'm in, that I'm in an area that is changing so rapidly and, you know, I'm going to be, um, you know, obviously at the forefront of a lot of this sort of change. And, and I think, you know, like I said initially, I think reflecting back on the past, you know, eighteen years of looking at where we've come from to what we're sort of doing now, and if there's another eighteen years to go, um, what that might look like is is really really exciting. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, and I think that's the the great thing. Obviously, we 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 you know, we want to see less and less children diagnosed with, with type one diabetes, and you know, we want more um, more funding and research looking into how, you know, how we how we manage that and how we look to you know, stop the stop the progress of, of type one diabetes. But obviously looking at ways that we manage type one diabetes with technology obviously is going to be, you know, really important and obviously that's going to change rapidly uh, in, in the future. So as I said I think that we're we're working in a really exciting area from that perspective, but also a challenging sort of area in that in that
0: landscape also. Yeah. Yeah, definitely very exciting. And um, like you said, it's uh, something that will keep you learning um, as well. So, um, yeah, look, Adam, thank you so much for your time once again. Uh, It's been a great pleasure talking to you today and, and to draw on your experience. And we hope to have you back for a few more episodes.
1: Many thanks. Thanks for having me
0: no worries um, as to our, all of our listeners thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast um, uh, all you have to do to get CBD points is just to uh, complete feedback in evaluation form and you can then download your certificate until next time thank you so much and goodbye